All right, as you can tell, we've already had a full morning and we still get to go to Exodus. So we're going to go quick uh, because the whole point of the story today is being quick in Christ. So if you have your Bibles, please turn to Exodus chapter 12, Exodus chapter 12. As you're turning there, please let me pray for us as we go to the word together. Father, uh, we don't want to be quick about your word as if it's something just to fly through. Lord, you have given us your word that we might pause and consider you and that that might propel us towards you and towards the things that you've called us to do in Christ. And so Lord, we pray that as we're reading texts that are thousands of years old, that they would be relevant and fresh for today. Lord, that we would take heed, that we would uh, be motivated, and that in Christ we would be uh, not only accepted by you, but then ready to go. And so, Lord, would you bless our time in the Word? I pray that you would, would um, take my mind and my heart and my lips, that I might only say what you've ordained for this morning from your Word. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. So in Exodus chapter 12, we're finally getting to a point in the story that we have been leading up to. The Israelites have been in slavery, but God has sent warning after warning after warning to Pharaoh saying, let my people go. And those warnings came through plagues. There have been nine so far, but God has now said there's one final plague. That is, I'm going to go throughout the nation of Egypt and I'm going to strike down every firstborn not only of, 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 of families, but even livestock, anything that's the firstborn out of the womb, boom, dead. <clears throat> he has said that for the Israelites, in order for them to be protected, they're to observe what's called Passover. Each family would take a lamb, slaughter it, paint its blood over the doorway, and then God would, as he sent his destroying angel in, would see that blood and they would be protected and the death angel would pass over. And so they've been waiting. They've been waiting for this night of when this would happen. And so that's what we're going to read today is that finally this happens. A very destructive, but at the same time, a very uh, salvation filled moment that is happening on this night. So this we're going to start in verse 29 of Exodus chapter 12. It says this at midnight, the Lord struck down all the firstborn in the land of Egypt from the firstborn of Pharaoh who sat on his throne to the firstborn of the captive who is in the dungeon and all the firstborn of the livestock. And Pharaoh rose up in the night and he and all his servants and all the Egyptians. And there was a great cry in Egypt, for there was not a house where someone was not dead. Then he summoned Moses and Aaron by night and said, up, Go out from among my people, both you and the people of Israel, and go serve the Lord, as you have said. Take your flocks and your herds, as you have said, and be gone and bless me also. Here you have the king of the most powerful country on the planet, who's got the most powerful military on the planet, who has been so resistant to God. Buckling. The people of Egypt would have looked at Pharaoh and thought that he was the one who would help bring life. They saw him as near deity and that he was the one who would bring sustenance of life. And suddenly God is saying, no, you don't. When wombs were open and the firstborn would come, that was always a sign of fertility and of life that would come. And suddenly God has shut that down and said, no, no, no. Your reliance is not upon Pharaoh. Your reliance is not upon you or the Nile River or anything else that you have. I am the life giver, and now I have taken your firstborn. So as all the firstborn die, die, there is this cry throughout all of Egypt. It is a sad, 
sad moment and Pharaoh, who has affected himself, calls in Moses and Aaron says, OK, stop, uncle. Go up, get out of here. I can't stop this. You win. And he tells them to go. Now, it had already been said that they would be thrust out, that they would be driven out of Egypt. And I'm sure at times for the Israelites it didn't look like it because Pharaoh kept saying, no, you can't go. But now he's saying, you got to go. And God had told them when it's time to go, you got to go quick. You're going to eat this holiday meal with your cloak tucked into your belt and your running shoes on because you're going to have to get out of Dodge quickly. And so we find here, here's what happens in verse 33. The Egyptians, the Egyptians were urgent with the people to send them out of the land in haste, for they said, we shall all be dead. So the people took their dough. These are the Israelites. They took their dough before it was leavened. Their kneading bowls being bound up in their cloaks on their shoulders. The people of Israel had also done as Moses told them, for they had asked the Egyptians for silver and gold jewelry and for clothing. And the Lord had given the people favor in the sight of the Egyptians so that they let them have what they asked. Thus they plundered the Egyptians. And the people of Israel journeyed from Ramses to Sukkoth, about 600,000 men on foot besides women and children. A mixed multitude also went up with them and very much livestock, both flocks and herds. And they baked unleavened cakes of the dough that they had brought out of Egypt, for it was not leavened because they were thrust out of Egypt and could not wait for or nor had they prepared any provisions for themselves. Uh, many of you like to go on trips. Some of you have been doing that around the holiday season. When you go somewhere, you got to get ready, right? You're leaving on vacation. You're like, I, I have my packing list. And God tells these people, you don't got time to get a packing list. You can't even take trail mix with you. It's just time to go. All they had was the dough on their backs. It hadn't even risen up yet. And they were thrust out of Egypt. They had to get out of there. They didn't have time to maybe even round up their toiletries and stuff. Uh, it reminds me of um, there was another pastor out on the West Coast, a friend of mine, Jeremy. We had gone to a pastor's retreat and he had left so fast he hadn't packed right and he forgot his toothpaste. So in, in the middle, he came back into the, the room. It was dark. Everybody else had gone to sleep and he had forgotten his toothpaste. So he thought, well, I'm just going to go to the toiletry bag of another pastor over here and I'm going to look for some, some toothpaste. Well, I don't want to wake him up. So I'll, he tiptoes over to this other pastor's toiletry bag and zips it up and he he grabs the tube out and he he finally makes his way over to the bathroom and he flips on the light to go brush his teeth and just before he puts it on his toothbrush he realizes he had gra grabbed the man's preparation h <laughs> he did not brush his teeth that night you know sometimes we get in such a hurry we forget things but god says it's not about forgetting things you just have to leave tonight You've got time to make preparations. When I say go, I'm taking you to a someplace better and I will be the one who provide for you. I will be the one who will save you. I'll take care of you in the desert. You let me worry about the food. You just get out. You don't want to stay in slavery anymore. You come to me. And so now the Lord is pulling them out. They can't wait behind. They can't even wait for their bread to rise. It's time to go out because this is all fulfilling prophecy. We find again in verse 40, it says the time that the people of Israel lived in Egypt was 430 years. At the end of 430 years, on that very day, all the hosts of the Lord went out from the land of Egypt. It was a night of watching by the Lord to bring them out of the land of Egypt. 
So this same night is a night of watching kept to the Lord by all the people of Israel throughout their generations. That's an interesting verse. It was a night of watching by the Lord. It was a night of watching by all those people. What does that mean, a night of watching? The word that's being used there means an observance, being vigilant, being aware of what's going on. Can you imagine in that night not being aware not hearing the call to leave, not watching what God was doing so that in years to come, you'd be like, what, what happened then? I was a little sleepy. That was not a night to sleep. It was a night to go. It was a night to watch. It was a night to see that God was delivering his people and was destroying the arch enemy. Now, this is significant because what's happening on to eat the lamb, I want you the blood of the lamb to cover the doorway so that you will see that I have protected you and that I'm going to remove you and bring you to myself to all the promises that I have given you. But this particular night was a night of watching. Watch what I'm about to do. Don't get caught up in having to make your own preparations. We're going. And keep your eyes on me. I want to read a quick portion here and then we're going to see how that applies a little bit more to our life. But look at verse 43, because this talks about the holiday. They were supposed to observe it ongoing. It says in verse 43, and the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, this is a statute of the Passover. No foreigner shall eat of it, but every slave that is bought for money may eat of it after you have circumcised him. No foreigner or hired worker may eat of it. It shall be eaten in one house. You shall not take any of the flesh outside the house and you shall not break any of its bones. All the congregation of Israel shall keep it. If a stranger shall shall sojourn with you and would keep the Passover to the Lord, let all his males be circumcised. Then he may come near and keep it. He shall be as a native of the land, but no uncircumcised person shall eat of it. There shall be one law for the native and for the stranger who sojourns among you. And all the people of Israel did just as the Lord commanded Moses and Aaron. And on that very day, the Lord brought the people of Israel out of the land of Egypt by their hosts. So it was a night of watching. And as the people are removed, God tells them, now I want all you people, you people, my people. You're going to remember this year after you're going to observe this year after year, but it can only be for the people. It can only be for no foreigners. Now, if anybody else comes in, they say, I want to eat that meal. They can't. Why? They're not with me. If somebody's sojourning with you or maybe somebody who is a hired hand, they want to eat it. They need to be circumcised. They need to be part of this particular community to eat it and to observe it and to know that I am there. We're not talking about the world. It's just me. It's just you. It's just our community. Now, this is happening probably about 1500 B.C., before Christ. And yet all of this, God put into the scriptures and put into place in history, not only to be a, a night of watching and of saving for the Israelites, it was all pointing forward to Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God, who would come and take away the sins of the world, John the Baptist said. And so Jesus, as he went through ministry, crowds began to come to him and people said, oh, yeah, we want to be with you. But Jesus said, you better count the cost, because unless unless you put off everything else and you allow me to be your provision, the only one who can save you, you can't come with me. It's only through me. And so it was on the night that he was going to be betrayed, that Jesus sat and he had that Passover meal 
with his disciples. Remember that? We commonly call that communion, which we're going to share together in just a moment. I love how the Lord lined this up. And on that night, if you remember, after they have communion, they leave the upper room and they sing a hymn while they're walking along and they, they leave Jerusalem and they go through the Kidron Valley and back up onto a hill, the Mount of Olives. And on that mount was the garden, the garden of Gethsemane. And Jesus told his disciples, wait over here while I go and pray. And he took Peter, James and John a little further with them. And he said this to them. This comes from Matthew chapter 26. He says, my soul is very sorrowful, verse 38, even to death, remain here. And he says this, watch with me. Remember what happened in Egypt? God said, this is a night of watching. I'm observing. There's something special that's about to happen. And you need to be aware and vigilant and don't be carried away by anything else. Keep close to me. It was a night of watching by the Lord. It was a night of watching by the people. And now Jesus, 1500 years later, is in this garden. He tells his closest, three closest human beings on earth. He says, watch with me. Something's going on this night. Don't get sleepy on me. Don't get carried away with anything else because it's a holiday and you ate too much lamb and you've had too much bread and carbs in your system. He says, be vigilant tonight. If you're with me, be vigilant tonight. It says, and going a little further, he fell on his face and prayed, saying, my father, if it be possible, let this cup, that'd be the cup of suffering, the cup of God's wrath. Let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. So Jesus prays, Father, I'm all in. It's going to hurt. If you could take it from me, great. But I know I'm all in. Whatever you want, this is the time. I'm here to do your will. It says in verse 40, he came to the disciples and found them watching. No. He found them sleeping. He found them sleeping and he said to Peter, could you not watch with me one hour? Watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. And again, for the second time, he went away and prayed, my father, if this cannot pass unless I drink it, your will be done. And he came and found them sleeping for their eyes were heavy. So leaving them again, he went away and prayed for the third time saying the same words again. Then he came to the disciples and said to them, sleep and take your rest later on. See, the hour is at hand and the son of man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us be going. See, my betrayer is at hand. See, Jesus knowing that was a, a, a particular night, one where he was going to go and be arrested the next day, he would be slaughtered for them. It was a night of watching. He told them, watch and pray. You might not fall into temptation. And even his closest disciples later on, as they went through and he was arrested, what did they all do? They ran away. And Jesus was left alone. This is what was prophesied by the prophets, that he alone would be the one to rescue, that he alone would be the one who would pay for our sins. See, we can't make provision for that. There is nothing that we can do to help save us. You cannot go to church to save yourself. If you've grown up in the church and you thought you've made it because you've grown up 
in a Christian family. That's not what saves you. Watch and pray that your eyes would be on Jesus. Because you do Christmas the right way, and maybe you're in the Christmas play, and maybe you can get those high notes on Hark the Herald Angels Sing, which I can't. It doesn't mean it saves you, and it doesn't save me, but Jesus says, watch, watch what I'm about to do, because this is the one way that you're getting out of sin and death. I'm going to go pay for your sin. I'm going to spill my blood and my blood is going to cover you so that when death comes and the wrath of God comes, the will of God has already been done through Jesus that you might be rescued. So watch and keep your eyes on him. Don't get carried away with religiousness. Don't get carried away with self-doubt. Go get carried away with Jesus. Be drawn to him. And the Lord may be calling you into some times that are hard and times that are difficult. You might say, I'm only going into that next season of life if I can prepare and make it easy for myself. But the Lord is going to ask you to trust him. Just trust me with that season. Do it. And watch. Pray and keep your eyes on Jesus. We're going to close today with communion. And as we're drawn to Jesus, it's this opportunity to say, is there something else that's been keeping my attention that I've been observing more than Jesus, even at Christmas time? Maybe there's a sin in your life that just continues and continues to nag. And you need to say, Lord, I just need to be done with it. I need to confess my sin. Would you remove this from me? Or maybe there's something else where it's just like, you just love it more than Jesus. That too is sin. Or maybe you just need Jesus to come and breathe fresh into you his love. That you would recognize it again. And communion has that great opportunity to say, we as a people are going to come and we're going to put our eyes on Jesus in a very tangible way to taste him. And know that our life comes from that Lamb of God. What's interesting about communion is that the Lord says this isn't for any other people. This isn't for non-believers. This isn't for uh, another social club somewhere else. This is for the church. And so if you are a believer in Jesus Christ, this is your meal. And the Lord says, before we take this meal, to have your heart checked. That your eyes would be on Jesus. And so I love that the whole thing lined up. In Exodus, it said, it was the lamb. And God is rescuing you. Don't let anybody else eat it, because this is just for my people. And today we're observing community where it's about Jesus. It's about the lamb who rescues us. And nobody else can eat this meal but the body, the church of Christ. And so this morning, if you need to call upon Jesus, do it. If it's your first time, run to him. Don't wait. Go run to Jesus and say, Jesus, save me. If you're a believer in the Lord, then this is an opportunity to say, Lord, where do I need you to take something out of my life that I might be more focused on you? Where is my attention other than you? I've been coaching basketball lately and one of the most difficult things with my team isn't getting them to shoot the ball right, isn't getting them to pass the ball right, isn't getting them. You know what the hardest thing to do is, is to get them to listen to me, to look at me in the eyes when there's all the other crowd and the parents and the referees and the cheerleaders and everything else going on that's at the game. They need to look at the coach. They need to listen. And right now, if you're a believer, maybe that's what the Lord is saying. Hey, I need you right here. I need your eyes. I need you to watch with me and pray in this season.
So as the deacons come and they begin to pass out the bread and the juice, that's an opportunity for maybe you to watch. Say, Lord, save me. Lord, get my attention. Lord, would you help me to focus on Jesus this morning? At this time, if the deacons would please come forward.